Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As a thought leader and work-life activist, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to inspire others to do the same. My interest in Katie King came when I was looking into AI. Katie is an expert in AI and has written a book about AI and marketing. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Jane. And Katie, tell us a bit more about you um, before we enter the, 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 the time machine together. Definitely. So your listeners will quickly sense that I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve. So not going to overshare, but I'm quite honest about, you know, what I do uh, give to people. So I'm 53 and I've been in business 30 years, married with two daughters, live in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. But I grew up in Tottenham on the 11th floor of a council flat in Tottenham. I'm a big Spurs fan. And from a child, I'm an only child. And you can sense from the, the council flat in Tottenham, we didn't have tons of money. Um, and one of the passions as a kid was books. And my dad took me to a swap shop and we used to, you know, read a book, swap it and so on. And that drove my passion. So one of the things I'd say for me really has been a, a continuous curiosity and hunger for information. And my 30 year career has been successful but there've been low times as well. And I turned 53 years ago and I had to pivot. Um, I had been at the cutting edge of digital marketing uh, for over 12 years, advising, speaking at conferences, doing TEDx talks on digital, but everyone caught up. And it felt as if I'd lost my unique selling proposition, my USP, and I was you know, twice the age of all the digital marketing experts. I was in Kent, they were in London. So I wrote a book. And so what we're going to talk about, I guess, over the next 20 minutes is that subject matter. And the book is all about the impact of AI on business. So that's what I love. I love to be on this journey of continuous learning. As you said in your introduction, the world has changed and we have to keep pivoting and learning. Absolutely. So let's get in the time machine together. Um, so I'm driving at the moment. Um, and, you know, this time machine is gorgeous, isn't it? Are you enjoying it already? So love it. Up. Glad you're driving because I've got a glass of Chablis. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, where's mine for a start? So let's <laughs> buckle up. Get your autonomous be... vehicle. We can both have one. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And we're going to set the clock, first of all, and go back to 2010. So um, it's great to hear um, around 1967 when you were in, in Tottenham and you and I were born the same year, which is which is really interesting and uh, actually uh, born not too far away from each other. Um, so, in 20, so in 2010, you and I are going to arrive in 2010 and let me just set the scene for us. So we've just come out of a global world recession and um, you know, until the pandemic happened, actually, that was uh, pretty hard hitting across the world um, in all different places. And we're just coming out of that, but it's still bumpy. The world's tallest building has just opened in Dubai, the Burj Khalifa. I don't know if you've been up there, Katie. I'd say I was there have. last year. Yeah, it's amazing. I spoke amazing. at a conference in Dubai. It's incredible. Fabulous. And um, I'm sure this will make you smile and our listeners smile that Justin Bieber was dominating the charts in 2010. 
<laughs> I do love Bieber. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, I know. I'm, I'm with you there as well. Now, the other thing, from a technological perspective, um, Apple had released a new iPhone, but there was a few problems. It was the iPhone 4. But one of the most significant things that Apple did this year is in 2010 was launch the iPad. And with it, um, a new level of touchscreen computing, which, um, as we know today, has made a huge impact on how we use technology. The other interesting thing, though, on the flip side of Apple, Android-powered phones begin to outsell Apple in the smartphone market. So lots going on. I want to read a quote from yourself that relates to 2010 so we can get into um, hearing about how you felt about this period. So this is your quote, quote from your website, Katie. And this relates to Zudica's one, um, one of the elements of your business, which is when we started out in 2010, digital was still in its growth and many companies were coming to grips with a wealth of new tools, platforms and possibilities. So what was going on for you in 2010? It was a great year. So, um, as you say, there were all kinds of problems, but whenever there's a problem, even thinking of COVID now, there are opportunities for people. And I decided in September of 2010 to launch Zudicas. And I had been in a business prior to that for eight years with a business partner. Um, and, you know, he was aware of the changes, but didn't want to change and grow and, and take advantage of those. He was comfortable where he was. And I was hungry for more and really felt the need to change and move into that new space. So that is the year I really put myself out of my comfort zone. I remember there's tunes that come on some of the TV adverts that were played at that time by Microsoft and Apple and many of the others. And I was playing them in social media training courses that I was running in Old Street in London. And I was scared. You know, I was out of my comfort zone. I was doing something I'd never done before and training these companies on new platforms. And so, you know, I remember that year with fondness, the excitement of setting up a business, old clients, you know, quite elderly gentlemen saying to me, oh my goodness, why would you choose the word Zudicas? It's a Z, it's at the end of the alphabet. You know, people are going to laugh at you. There's a, a dick in the middle of Zudicas and there's a dyke in the middle of Zudicas. And I had all these weird and wonderful people telling me I was being silly and I was, you know, that social media was a fad and it was going away and, uh, you know, I shouldn't be so ridiculous. And, you know, clients um, in some of the big four agencies with their arms folded very skeptically looking down their noses at Twitter and Facebook and the platforms that I was advising on. So, you know, I remember feeling quite cutting edge and feeling quite exposed, but also incredibly excited because it was my first um, venture on my own without a business partner. So, yeah. I'm and Katie, that was, you know, pretty brave and bold to be going against the norm, really. Um, so what was, dri I mean, what was really driving you to make this successful? I've got a definite inbuilt tenacity. I'm a Capricorn and I'm the goat that slowly climbs up the mountain and I will get there. I might not get there as quick as everybody else. So there's a, there's a sort of determination and I get knocked back and sometimes I'm, you know, for a very short while down about that. 
but I bounced back. Um, and I think, you know, my parents weren't well educated. They were self-taught and well-read, but they weren't well educated. So they didn't have the same opportunities as me, but A-level teachers believed in me and I had uh, unconditional love and support and encouragement. And I think when you've got that from a parent, you don't have to have all the money in the world. You don't have to have a parent that's been to Oxford. You've got people who support and encourage you. So for me, it's been about, you know, being in a, a steady relationship with parents who support me and being incredibly tenacious, a little bit brave. But actually, there'll be times, and we might come on to that in a moment, where I regret being a bit too risk averse. But at times, I've made enough big decisions, I think, to almost get where I want to be. And that's that's really interesting, you know, looking back at, you know, 10 years ago um, and you use the word, you know, risk adverse, you know, what advice then now we've moved forward and you are incredibly successful and have established Zudikas as well as other things, which we'll get onto in a minute. But looking back at that period and that in your work life, what advice would you give your less experienced self? Take more risks. I think, you know, when you've got my background and my, my husband's as well, where his father died when he was 18, you, you are a little bit more risk averse financially. So I, I would say to take a few more calculated risks and to believe in yourself and to punch above your weight you know, I like to hustle. I like to go out there and, and, and make things happen and not force things, but, you know, make something out of nothing. And it starts with a little kernel and it, you know, you're telling one person that this person's on board and before you know it, you've got this snowball effect. So it's not about telling any lies. It is, it's about a confidence and, um, you know, just that, as I say, that determination and tenacity and thinking quite big. I wished I'd thought as big a few years prior as well. Which is which is fantastic. And I, I think we should get into the time machine and, and we should um, get back in there, drink some more bubbles <laughs> and hit, hit the clock for 2020, because um, this is such an interesting period for you. So, you know, let's, let's, let's arrive really quickly in our, in our time machine on 2020. It's been just over a year since you launched your book. Um, and this is a very successful publication. It really is making, um, ripples and waves. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that. So, um, you know, this climate is really interesting, but what are you observing? Um, and how do you think that's impacting your work life and, and work lives of others? It's really tough. That's the that's the truth. Um, I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's a global pandemic, and in a way that helps because we are all in the same boat, aren't we? You know, countries are some are weeks or months ahead or behind of of the other, and we're we're learning every day. I certainly wouldn't want to be um, a leader in the countries at the moment who are you know having to show that stewardship and that um, you know and be that kind of a leader because it's tough and they've never experienced anything like this so I'm observing people's fear I'm observing massive impact on business and confidence you know I've lost quite a few clients who are financially you know just can't afford to pay us what they were paying previously uh, you know a lot of people furloughed a lot of people 
quite happy with doing nothing and being furloughed and others who are like me fighting with every ounce of their you know determination to to stay afloat people who are looking to others continuously for you know for moral support a lot of people i know of people who have you know tried to take their own lives i know there are people and i've got people in my own family who suffer from you know bipolar and anxiety there's a huge impact on people's well-being and motivation and then i'm very aware of others who are I don't mean this in a negative way, but are benefiting, not profiteering because they're not doing it in, in, in a negative way in any way, but they are benefiting from it. And others that are setting up their companies and the money that they've had is uh, helping them get to the next stage. So a real mixed bag, but on the, on the whole, uh, probably when we look back a six month period, we'd like to forget. Um, but for me personally, it's giving me because I haven't got the opportunity to go and jump on a plane and go into London continuously and see my friends and do all the things I normally pack my time out, I've bought myself time to do one or two really exciting things and projects that I have been festering on for years. And I can talk more about those perhaps in a few minutes time. But yeah, I have to look at now and say, this is going to be a defining moment and a year where I take things to the next level. I think, you know, your, your observations are spot on, Katie. We're seeing a variety of responses, aren't we, across um, the world, different groups of people, different organisations. Um, and I think, you know, hearing how you're coping and what you're doing is um is, is really interesting and as you're saying look taking this time to then maybe accelerate some of the things that you were going to get to but actually being able to get to them now um, so tell us a bit more about those you know tell us about how you're driving your passion um, around you know AI in business Absolutely. how are you how are you driving that yeah so if you know COVID-19 has accelerated digital transformation you know, think of the way we're shopping, you know, the way medicine is being handled, the telemedicine, the, the, the you know, we've had e-commerce for many, many years, but, you know, it's gone from a relatively small percentage to huge numbers of people, you know, accessing retail remotely. I'm talking everyone being on Zoom and go to meeting and Teams. And again, there's still not AI being deployed at scale, but more and more people are looking at AI as this next layer of automation. And we aren't just talking robots in the workforce or in our homes we're talking about um, the next layer think of software as a service you know how you might for example do your accounting and how all your old VAT receipts are all automated because they're synced in with your business this is the next layer up this is our HR our uh, the way we do our you know our own admin so with a virtual assistant the way we do our telemarketing there are thousands of AI tools that can help us with every aspect of the work we do. And I think because people are digitizing now, they're being forced to, to digitize, those that 10 years ago with all the smartphone data were more innovative started doing it in the last few years. And many other businesses are now realizing this works. It does work having people from home. We are getting more data and we should now for financial reasons and for reasons of, 
you know, innovating and adapting, start to take advantage of some of these tools. So for you, you're seeing it as a real opportunity to, um, I suppose, really, you know, taking your own words, get get more comfortable with AI, because it's it's happening around us anyway. And, um, you know, it can feel quite scary for people, but, you know, everyone starts somewhere, don't they? Exactly. So it's, it's a great time to dip your toe in the water. So what advice would you give to people that were, you know, maybe at the beginning or even at the, you know, um, are not even aware of AI? Where, where would you, where should they start? Yeah, so... My book is a good place to start. You know, honestly, it's not not just my words. It's a collection of case studies, failures and successes, big brands, SMEs, major academics. It's global and it's pan sector. So it's a great start point. And actually, sales and marketing and HR are some of the easy, light touch ways of getting involved in AI. You know, not all companies for some time to come are going to have, you know, tens of thousands of pounds to invest in, you know, in robots and, and all kinds of areas like that. But they can invest in tools, whether it's Concured, Phrasey, whether it's something from Adobe Sensei or IBM Watson, you know, there are freemium models. So start by thinking of a, um, a business problem and a scenario where potentially some machine learning, AI, predictive analytics could help you either increase your sales or decrease your costs. Absolutely. I mean, really helping businesses to look at, you know, the four critical levers of business of growth, transformation, profitability and productivity, which, quite frankly, um, have been completely disrupted by the pandemic and an opportunity not to go back to what we were doing, what they were doing before, but to revolutionise that approach and, you know, make technology our friend. Absolutely. I think, make, 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 make things more human, yeah. actually. And, and actually, in my book, I have a whole chapter on exactly that, Jane, the paradox of personalization. I call AI and PwC and others, you know, definitely use this term too, augmented intelligence. Not yes. talking about it is artificial, of course. It's a family of, of 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 computer science, a family of different technologies under that banner of you know um, where effectively the machine is displaying human-like traits and so on. But but you could be a barrister using some AI tools. You could be a teacher, a marketing professional, and the data it can give you is is giving you insights. And therefore, you're superhuman. You know, you have man and machine together or tools and a, and a human being that really can personalize what previously might have been four million customers and you homogenize them and put them into five or six categories. Now I can say Jane comes into my restaurant every Thursday. She's 50 she has uh, a daughter of four she orders ribs but her husband's vegan you know I can give you a very personalized service when you're in my restaurant and the email marketing I do to you can be super personalized rather than broadly breaking you up and saying you know this is who you are and the banks and the retailers especially are benefiting from that, you know, tremendously. Well, definitely. And I mean, you know, before we get back in the time machine, I would love to close this period we're in is, is to have a bit of fun with it. I mean, that's a difficult word to use at the moment because we're in a, we're in a difficult time. But actually, one thing I've learned from you, Katie, is just to play with it, you know, and have a bit of fun 
Um, and, you know, being somebody who started my own business, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm partway through your book, uh, which I'm absolutely loving. And in addition to that, um, it's inspiring me to try out some stuff in, as you say, a calculated risk way, rather than it's going to be a, you know, something that's going to cause a big problem, but it's actually really interesting. And I can't um, let people know enough how much I'm, I'm enjoying it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I agree. And the older you get, as I say, I'm 53. We need to have more fun. You know, we need to enjoy what we do and make it pleasant for our clients, for our partners, for our staff. You know, life is too short to not have fun. So I'm totally with you on that. Totally. So, right, let's get back in this time machine. Um, you take another sip of the bubbles and I will press um, the, 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 the clock and take us to 2030, Katie. So let's set the scene in 2030. So um, now before the pandemic, there were um, lots of people predicting what 2030 would be like. So the World um, Economic Forum, PwC, McKinsey, Deloitte's, and having spent a lot of time researching this period for some research that I put out earlier in the year, um, it's likely that um, there's going to be uh, a gig economy where, um, you know, if, if we, one of the predictions is that as little as only 9% of people around the world would be in full-time permanent employment. So a complete pendulum swing from where we are today. In addition to that, people may uh, really have portfolio careers rather than be talking about them as they do today. And jobs won't exist, but we'll be pitching for um, projects or um, you know particular programs, and you know pieces of work will come together in much more agile ways than they do today. Um, so, what about you, Katie? What is you know for twenty thirty in AI? What do you think it's going to look like? I think your observations are spot on, Jane, particularly around the gig economy and the focus on tasks, you know, that those jobs, AI will eventually be able to do all of the things we could do. You know, Yale, Oxford, as you say, McKinsey's and many of the others have predicted that for some time. Um, how quickly we allow that to come into our world is dependent on many many factors um <clears throat> you know of course when we come out of the pandemic where there are going to be financial constraints so but i think as we move forward 10 years we will see more ai in our homes in our businesses you know in our societies and i'm thinking even you know just that that next iteration of the sort of amazon go grocery you know where you've got um computer vision you've got deep learning you'll no longer need those staffed checkouts you know i think we will see in the you know the in about another 10 years maybe five six years after more vehicles on our roads that are self-driving you know down our motorways um you know more hybrid vehicles uh, being accessible for for all of us i would really hope in the um in the next five years to have more affordable robotic cleaners and robotic arms in our kitchens doing prep 
you know, because what all of this is about in both the business world and in our homes is taking away the boring, repetitive, mundane tasks. And I genuinely welcome that. I don't think of it as AI coming to take my job. I think of it as technology, meaning I'm freed up to do. It comes to Saturday and the last thing I want is to spend, you know, three hours cleaning my house. I spoke about this in my first TEDx talk years ago and it still hasn't happened, still slogging away, but I do think it will happen in the next five to 10 years. So, you know, I just see you know, if you think of the care home crisis at the moment with this pandemic and God forbid there could be more in the coming decades, you know, elder care robots being used for giving singing lessons in care homes, which are always strapped for cash, you know, all kinds of things like that, that help to sort of reduce loneliness and giving us probably a four day week. You know, I'd like, again, it won't happen in the next couple of years, but it might happen in seven to 10 years that we all are, you know, technology we always hoped would free us up. Actually, it's enslaved us to our laptops, our iPhones and so on. So I think, um, you know, the use of voice activated technologies uh, will make a big difference. You know, I want to be able to drive and speak into the car and say, right, that meeting's just ended. Uh, please, can you send a, a note to Jane? Please, can you book her in for an appointment with me on Friday? If I dictate now, please send those notes around to everybody. You know, there are tools like Otter AI that can do that. Um, so I think we will all personally and in business use more automated assistance more technology in our homes and honestly I really welcome that I mean I, I'm I'm with you Katie because um you know I mean let's 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 be honest I mean that can bring us again coming back to being more human and getting a better balance to our work lives which would be um you know incredibly powerful and help us in many many ways but there's a massive gap between where we are now and, you know, 10 years sounds like a long time, but it, but it isn't really, is it? It's We're not. nearly halfway through one. So what advice would you give to people and entire organisations who you know, want to arrive at 2030 in a much more successful place than they are today? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I'll just pick on two things I'm doing. So I'm on this all-party parliamentary group and I'm part of a task force that's looking at the adoption of AI in enterprise. A small group of people but part of a much bigger uh, you know, set of groups. There are AI in education groups and so on. And we're hearing evidence from great minds, great academics, great business people all over the world. I think we need to work globally in a much more cooperative way. Scientists have their peers globally. Business people have, as part of multinational companies, have colleagues all around the world. And yet it's often the countries because of historic wars and nationalist approaches to uh, society that we don't have this greater collaboration. So I think if we can do that for the benefit of the planet, for the benefit of um, individual access, uh, you know, to equal access to technology, we will potentially all thrive more. But at a much more local level, 
I think it's about thinking big, um, not as we said, not being too risk averse, realizing that actually, if you don't take advantage of these technologies in the next five or seven years, you will be out of business in 10 years time. You know, if you are trying to do your sales, your marketing, your HR as job functions in the same traditional way in 10 years time, you're going to be out of a job. And if you as businesses aren't adapting and innovating equally, you'll get left behind. So there is no choice. You probably have another year or two, but, you know, don't think of it as this huge obstacle. Think of it as a space to grow and actually it can be hugely fun. And I'm not just something yeah. to add in here. I'm not a technologist. You know, I am not teaching people to code in Python and TensorFlow. I am helping businesses from 30 years of an MBA and 30 years of business experience to apply AI to business. So I'm not sitting here preaching saying, go out there and do a degree in data science. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have a watching brief on your sector and on how technology is reshaping it. Learn, read books, think, trial, and, you know, explore it. Definitely. And really help people adapt and cope with it in really positive ways. Because when we empower people to do that, we see great things, don't we? We certainly I'm, do. I'm totally with I'm totally with you. Now, one, um, one, one, uh, one other question I want to ask you um, in the future is that, um, look, Katie, as a successful woman, um, and you're, you know, you, you really have established um, yourself. Even at 2030, um, you know, I know you have two daughters, I have a daughter. It's not going to be equal even at 2030. And what I mean by that in terms of pay, in terms of opportunities, in terms of um, how things are viewed. Now, those are the predictions at the moment. What advice would you give to women who are you know, looking to, to accelerate, accelerate and adapt and establish themselves in a work life where they want to be? Great question. Um, I do honestly believe that women are the backbone of families and of life and of societies and look back to Churchill and huge great leaders in the past has always been an incredibly powerful supportive woman behind them um, now there is no excuse anymore I think there's you know with all of the me too um, swell of PR you know um, I think now is your time it's always been your time because even when there were huge, you know, ceilings that were that kind of your things were blocked to you, you've got to smash them. You've got to, you've got to play the game. You've got to play the politics, but you've got to, you know, put yourself out there. And I think you can do that by being very well prepared, by being well educated, by constantly going into meetings, better prepared than everybody else, well read thinking ahead and innovating and set your own up you know you either set your own companies up or go to your bosses and look even in a major corporation to have for example using technologies like ai a startup within a major organization so i think it's about being bolshy being confident 
not cocky, not overconfident, you know, not treading on people, but taking people with you by proving to them, you know, showing them this has worked, our competitors done this, you know, if we don't act. And so by taking people with you on that journey, you need to have your facts, you need to, you know, let them share that enthusiasm and passion, but be complemented by, um, by data, really. Um, and just be brave and and passionate. And if if you don't get what you want, keep trying. Move on to the next one. Set up your own business if that's the main way you're going to get where you want to be, which is what I did. Well, and I, and I think it's interesting. I don't believe, Katie, that there's any surprise that you are where you are because you know you're you're, you're giving us a sort of platinum list of incredible behaviours that make a difference. These are habits and characteristics that drive success: self determination, curiosity getting out of your comfort zone, um, tenacity, you know, and these are very, very important things, not easy to do. And you just have to keep working on them. These are muscles that we have to keep working on, aren't they? But, you know, for me, they come hand in hand and, you know, don't accept any less and, and, and keep going. Absolutely. And one other I would add, and I think this comes from my father and my working class sort of upbringing is a, an authenticity and a desire to make friends and to, I wouldn't say people pleaser, but to be likable, you know, and people say to me, oh, London, and obviously I'm not in London at the moment, but London's such an unfriendly place. And I say, well, what do you mean? If you don't smile at somebody on the tube, they probably won't smile back at you. If you don't speak to people, they may not engage you. And it only takes you to be the one, you know, being outward and friendly and chatty to get that back. So I think authenticity and being friendly and supporting other people and I go the extra mile to help other people and then I get that back. So, you know, I've just posted this morning and tagged you about this post and saying how many people come on to me on LinkedIn and just try and sell. They try and sell me things that I'm selling. They don't even prepare and they don't take the trouble to say, hi, Katie, how are you? I see you did this interesting article. I'm not talking about people pandering. I'm talking about people making an effort to get to know people and offer a little bit of help. And then before you know it, two weeks down the line, after a couple of calls, they might be my best friend and, you know, we'll be helping one another. But people want things. People are too impatient and not prepared to give. And I think that's another important lesson, you know, for people wanting to to be successful. Katie, for me, you are speaking to the heart, you know, authenticity. Um, And again, look, growing up in London, I think the generation that you're talking about are so spirited. Um, And, you you know, you're absolutely right. It's this cooperation, this community. A community spirit um, and, and you know quite frankly I've got over the fact whether somebody likes me or not I am who I am um, I'm incredibly a giving person um, and you know it's just who I am and I actually really like that about me and I think that um, I like that about you and I think that's why someone like you and me and connect but you realize that there's all sorts of different people and um, it is what it is if you don't want to run like that, you do get found out in the end, quite frankly. You're absolutely right. Spot on, Jane. You have to like people. You have to <laughs> like people. And I, I, I really, I'm fascinated by people and I love, um, you know, I'm absolutely enjoying talking to you today. And now we're going to get back in the time machine, but you 
are going to be in the driving seat, right? So I'm going to start drinking the bubbles <laughs> and you are going to drive. So I have never been in a car with you before, let alone a time machine that is full of all these amazing AI things that we've been talking about because this is your um, your pimped up time machine now. So where are we going, Katie? Where so do you join go? me in my autonomous <laughs> vehicle and we can both have a couple of glasses of, uh, of something. Oh, like, so look, we're actually only going to jump forward 20 years. Um, but in that 20 years, so we're jumping forward to 2040. So we've only gone 10 years ahead of your, of your 2030. But I don't think that the um, Bill Gates vision of AI that will mean aging, you know, is no longer an issue. I'd like to think it's going to come true in the next 20 years. Um, but I think to get there, we'd probably have to jump forward 50 or so years. And then I've got the risk of it not happening and not seeing my future grandchildren. So I'm going to be a little bit calculated with my risks and jump forward to 2040. And by then, what am I now? I'm 53. So I'm kind of in my mid 70s. And I want to then be surrounded by in somewhere like Oxford doing a PhD surrounded by my grandkids who probably by then 10, 12, 13, maybe a little bit older. It depends how quick my daughter moves in the next 10 years. Um, I am really excited to get to a stage in my life where I don't have any financial worries, where I can sit back and enjoy society and leisure and all of the things that will be going around me so I think there'll be technology in every aspect of my life but I think I will be more human and more content and having more fun then than at any time in my life and I don't intend to be having to lift a finger with any food prep or cleaning or anything like that so you know I would like to be able to take advantage at that age of you know all kinds of new technological wonders um, that again I, I think there'll be quite a few robots in my home and I think things will be being delivered to me from robot warehouses in the sky I think I will be traveling in some kind of um, vehicle or some kind of uh, aircraft of some shape or form in speeds that we can't begin to imagine now I absolutely love traveling around the world I love languages I did a degree in French and German my book's just been published in multiple languages and I want to be able to communicate with people all around the world instantly in their language using technology and chatting maybe whether it's like telepresence or so so the travel aspects the use of tech for my own pleasure some kind of sport where again even if my legs are failing I'll have robotic limbs and I'll be like a you know a future superwoman I, I just love the thought of of that but still being fundamentally human with a conscience with a soul um, you know kind of somebody who is communicating with people all over the world about the future of the arts and of uh, the environment and, and so on. And it's a little bit, you know, out there, but I, I like the thought that I ha will have peers in China, in the Middle East, you know, in Europe, and we will be 
helping one another and having a, a community that isn't just retiring to my little Tunbridge Wells in Kent, but actually very exciting and very tuned in to a, a global village. That's what I hope. What an inspiring vision, Katie. I certainly would come there with you. And I think what's great about it is to hear that energy in your voice as you was taking yourself into the future. Now, what is one commitment that you've made to yourself? So when we talk to you again, we can check in with you. So, you know, what is that commitment that you're working on for you at the moment? My commitment is to be more focused on helping others and in particular, thinking ahead to my grandchildren, for example, schools and colleges. I have a project going live next month where with some schools uh, and some major corporates, we're closing the skills gap because the current national curriculum doesn't fully prepare them for the future of work. And so ask me again in five years time, I want that to be a global program. I want to be connecting businesses and regulators and academics and politicians globally. So that would make me be thinking when I'm in my 70s about my legacy when I go and actually that's about the future and it's about children and it's about access, you know, globally to uh, the best education money can buy through incredible technology. Katie, I mean, what an incredible commitment. And, um, you know, it it really does go into your passion of AI in business and making sure that that AI drives better global cooperation. So I'm going to end it there. And um, thank you so much. It has been an incredible journey to listen to you. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it too. It's been amazing, Jane. I think you're my soulmate. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We've got to build this thing. I hope you're going to start building it because we need this time machine, right? So we can start (laughs) dashing backwards and forwards. And I I, I love the idea that it's, you know, it can drive itself. Uh, That's a great new addition. I I really like that. We're going to adopt that. Um, And, you know, for me, um, this is a passion of yours. We we hear that from you every time we speak. For our listeners, if you're looking to get more involved in AI, Katie has given us um, an idea of three, three things that she believes you should do in order to get more comfortable in this world. And we will make sure that all of that information is available to you. But Katie, thank you so much. It's been a delight to talk to you on our first ever People Who Know Work Life podcast. And I look forward to sharing many more stories with our audience. Thank you.